Today on the Matt Wall Show, public health experts are suggesting that we should give out the vaccine based on race. They're advocating openly for racial eugenics in the way we distribute the vaccine. We'll talk about that today. Also, five headlines, including a major spike in cases in L.A. County. But if the lockdowns work, why would this be happening in one of the places in the country with the strictest lockdown policies? And in our daily cancellation, I will respond to the people who are angry at me for daring to suggest, as I did yesterday, that it's not good to be a prostitute. All of that and more today on The Matt Wall Show. With more people shopping uh, during the holiday season this year online, it's more important than ever to, uh, to take care of your online identity and to protect yourself. You know, some experts say that consumers are at a higher risk of identity theft uh, as well as falling victim to deals that are too good to be true and sophisticated phishing attacks during the holidays, which really makes a lot of sense considering, you know, what how, that you got your you're buying things, you got your credit card information, you're spending a lot of time, uh, you're giving your information probably to more websites than you normally would at any other time of the year. Experts recommend checking your credit school not, score, not overspending, and limiting new retail credit cards, and also freezing your credit if needed, even after the holidays. Um, those are all things that you can do. But there's so much more, and one of the and the main thing you can do to protect yourself is to get LifeLock. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. This holiday season, you could miss certain identity threats just by monitoring your credit or your bank statements, or even taking the, the measures just uh, just described. LifeLock, though, can take care of everything. LifeLock helps detect a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number being for sale on the dark web. If they detect your information has been compromised then they can send you an alert. And if you do become uh, a victim of identity theft, as so many millions do every year, then they can help you restore your identity. Um, One of their specialists can help you restore that, and they can take care of that as well. So it just gives you you protection on both ends of this thing, um, and there's just no reason not to do it. Look, nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can help you feel warm and protected this holiday season Save up to 25% off your first year. Just go to lifelock.com slash Walsh. That's lifelock.com slash Walsh for 25% off. Well, as COVID vaccines are now being distributed and administered, it's, it's been, I have to say, quite encouraging to see so many people who derided Trump for promising a vaccine within the year actually hold themselves accountable now and admit they were wrong, apologize to the president, and thank him. You know, so many on the left have done this, and it's been extremely inspiring to see. Maybe there is hope for national unity after all. I'm just kidding, of course. Trump has gotten precisely zero credit for falling through on his promise. And so far as I can tell, none of the people who openly mocked him for saying it would be out in a year have admitted their error, much less apologized, much less thanked the president for getting this done. Instead, um, they're talking now about forming commissions to prosecute the Trump administration for failing to save even more lives. And we'll play that clip for you in the five headlines segment coming up. But As for the vaccine, its rollout um, hit a bit of a speed bump yesterday when a nurse in Chattanooga received the shot and then immediately went in front of cameras for a press conference to talk about it. And things went a little bit off the rails from there. Listen. We are in the COVID unit, so therefore, you know, my team will be getting first chances to get the vaccine. And I know that um, it's really... I'm sorry, I'm feeling really dizzy. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, 
Yeah, so she passed out uh, there on camera after taking the vaccine. And this is exactly the opposite sort of PR they were hoping for. And in fairness, you know, it's not uncommon for people to become lightheaded or, or to faint after getting a shot. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of needles myself, I have to admit. So I can somewhat understand, though, to be clear, I've never fainted after one. So because that would be unmanly. But the point is that most likely this nurse's reaction doesn't tell us anything about the vaccine itself, yet the optics are not good, and and there's no getting around that. The campaign then to push the vaccine on us by bribe or threat or mandate will only have to be ramped up now to to compensate. Now, my own view on the vaccine is not terribly bold or interesting. I've shared it before, uh, but it's the only view that makes sense to my mind. And that is, you know, I think if you want to get the vaccine, you should. And if you don't want to get it, you shouldn't. And that's my position on all vaccines and always has been my position on this one. Personally, I probably won't get it because my COVID risk level is extremely low. And besides, I'm so far back in line by by the time that that it's available to me, it might be sort of a moot point by then. But people should be able to make their own choices. And choice being the operative word here, a word used very often in political discussions, though the people who define themselves as pro-choice often show that they have a very narrow and limited idea of when and in what circumstances the pro-choice principle should apply. Namely, uh, they apply it to abortion, prostitution, and drug use, and not much else. So those are the only realms in which they, they uh, are in favor of choice. The other key point about how the vaccine is distributed and administered, aside from the point that it should only be given to those who freely choose it, is that priority in its distribution should be afforded to those who are most vulnerable. This seems rather obvious and is a position that shouldn't need to be explained or defended. Of course, people most vulnerable should be the ones to get it first. But we have to explain and defend it, turns out, because many of our health experts, quote unquote, have other ideas. There's an article in the New York Times. Didn't get much attention when it was published a week ago. And the fact that it didn't get much attention, I think, tells you something. But it features health experts who are pushing what can only be described as a form of racial eugenics in relation to the vaccine. I'm not exaggerating. Listen to this. This is from the New York Times. Says, with the coronavirus pandemic surging and initial vaccine supplies limited, the United States faces a hard choice. Should the country's immunization program focus in the early months on the elderly and people with serious medical conditions who are dying of the virus at the highest rates or on essential workers? An expansive category encompassing Americans who have borne the greatest risk of infection. Now, by essential workers, it is meant, um, among other things, fast food fry cooks and Walmart cashiers and people in that realm. Many of whom are, and nothing against them, but many of them, the point is, are young and are not in any serious risk from the virus. That's precisely why these fast food and retail establishments have been able to stay open. And you haven't often heard of the employee roles of these stores getting wiped out from the virus. You know, there there really isn't anything to discuss discuss here, or or there shouldn't be. Of course, we should not be prioritizing a 17-year-old kid working at Burger King over an elderly person who belongs to an age bracket that's been that's borne by far the brunt of COVID casualties. Of course, the elderly should come first. They're the ones dying from the, di- the disease, by and large. So the answer here is obvious, but not to the New York Times. They continue, and it gets worse from here. Dr. Peter uh, 
Zil Agia, let's call him. He says, to me, the issue of ethics is very significant, very important for this country. He's a committee member and a pediatrics professor at the University of California, Los Angeles. Uh, he said at the time, and uh, he said, quote, it, it clearly favors the essential, ethics clearly favors the essential worker group because of the high proportion of minority, low income, and low education workers uh, among the essential worker bracket. Now, wait a second. Why should essential workers be favored because there's a high proportion of minorities? Why should that factor into the equation at all? I mean, who cares what race they are? What difference does that make? There are a lot of elderly black people too, last I checked. But who cares again, either way? Are we really going to decide who gets to be saved based on their race? Is that actually what's being proposed here? The answer is yes. Yes, it is. That's what they're proposing. Back to the article. Uh, Mark Lipsitch, an infectious disease epidemiologist at Harvard's T.H. Chan School of Public Health, argued that teachers should not be included as essential workers if a central goal of the committee is to reduce health inequities. Uh, he says teachers have middle class salaries, are very often white, and they have college degrees. Of course, they should be treated better, but they are not among the most mistreated of workers. You know, they aren't just white. They're very white. They're in, a, they're in a late stage of whiteness. The case is terminal for them. But Mark says the goal is to reduce inequities. Well, no, it isn't. The goal is to reduce infection and death from the virus. I mean, that has to be the goal of the vaccine because there are no vaccines for inequities. But don't worry. Senior economist uh, Elise Gold says that actually teachers maybe should be prioritized not for their own sake, but because it would be helpful to black and brown people, quote unquote, to help them. She says, uh, here's the quote from the article, says, Elise Gould, a senior economist at the Economic Policy Institute, disagreed. Teachers not only ensure that children don't fall further behind in their education, she said, but are also critical to the workforce at large. Quote, when you talk about disproportionate impact and you're concerned about people getting back into the labor force, many are mothers and they will have a harder time if their children don't have a reliable place to go. And if you think generally about people who have jobs where they can't telework, they are disproportionately black and brown. They'll have more of a challenge when childcare is an issue. Okay, so teachers might be saved because they're useful to black people. But it gets even worse. For the grand finale, here's the, the final and most direct pitch for eugenics that you get in this article. Harold Schmidt, an expert in ethics and health policy at the University of Pennsylvania, said that it is reasonable to put essential workers ahead of older adults, given their risks, and that they are disproportionately minorities. Dr. Schmidt says, older populations are whiter. Society is structured in a way that enables them to live longer. Instead of giving additional health benefits to those who already had more of them, we could start to level the playing field a bit. Yes, level the playing field. Level the playing field. Think about that phrase. If you're wondering why people don't trust health experts, look no further. These are radical ideologues who put their warped ideas of racial justice and equity ahead of anything and everything else. I mean, how can we trust them? Here they are in this article, hoping to level the playing field by letting white people die. And yet we still will be lectured for not trusting the experts. No, of course we don't trust them. There's nothing to trust here. And this is their own doing. 
This is their decision to go in public and say things like this. When people respond to that logically by saying, we can't listen to these people, you know, that's, that's not our fault. That is their fault, 100%. Now let's get to our five headlines. I want to tell you about the, a new sponsor we have on the show that I'm very excited about because I, I believe strongly in protecting yourself and being able to protect your family. And um, that's what they're all about over at Taser. Uh, Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small, lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment or purse. Uh, they're also powerful, uh, very powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, giving you time to escape to safety and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. So they got both, they've got both of that. Um, it's, it's, you're gonna incapacitate the attacker, but also it's going to alert um, it's going to alert emergency personnel, law enforcement, and they're going to show up and they'll, they'll be there as well. And they also have laser-assisted targeting. You can protect yourself and your family with Taser's line of smart self-defense products. And this is one of those things when they when they told me about this sponsor, you know, my first question was, am, am, am I going to get am I going to get the product? And they said, I was told, yes, I am going to be receiving a Taser myself, which I am um, excited about. It's, it'll be something great. Uh, for my wife, you know, this is a, a real conversation I've had with my wife re- very recently. In fact, just last week we were talking about how she wanted to get something like this, and uh, now it's on the way, and it could be on the way to your house too. Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at Taser.com with promo code Walsh. You can save 15% off now at Taser.com promo code Walsh. It's spelled T-A-S-E-R.com promo code Walsh. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A report from uh, ABC7 says the ICU capacity in the 11-county Southern California region has dropped to 0% amid a dramatic surge in coronavirus cases. Uh, According to officials on Thursday, California hospitals are required to report the total number of all available staffed ICU beds each day. Regional ICU capacity is calculated by subtracting neonatal and pediatric intensive care beds from the number of adult beds. Um, News of the diminished ICU capacity came as the state announced the deaths of 379 Californians, marking the highest number of fatalities in one day since the pandemic began and surpassing the previous record set the previous day. Um, It says the state reported another 52,000 new cases of the virus, just 1,400 cases less than what Californians saw the day prior. Okay, so they are... uh, setting records. Now we've got a life lost every four minutes in a 24 hour span is what they're saying in the state of California. They're they're setting what they say anyway. What's being reported is that they're setting records for COVID deaths. The COVID infection is going crazy. ICUs are are full. That's what they're claiming. Um, Well, California has also had the strictest lockdowns in the country or among the strictest, especially in Southern California, especially in LA County. It's one of the strictest places in the whole country. And if you've been there at any point during the pandemic, which I have, uh, many people in this building have lived there before, you you don't see people walking around without masks. Everybody's wearing a mask. Everybody's following the protocols. And yet the virus is doing what the virus is going to do, which has been the contention of the anti-lockdown set from the very beginning. That you're not going to stop the virus by telling everyone to, to hide in their home. That's, it's not going to work. You're not going to be able to do it. Um, 
And on top of that, you're, you're keeping people cooped up in their homes with each other. And that's the, the primary way that the virus spreads, we're told. This, this would seem to be evidence that the lockdowns haven't been very effective. But we're not allowed to talk about that uh, or acknowledge that. No, what, what this means is that, um, is that well, you know, it's not a, we, we just need to do more of what didn't work. We just need to do it to a higher degree. Or we'll be told that, no, those, it, it, it wasn't a real lockdown. Yeah, we, we tried fake lockdowns, but not the, no, it wasn't the real thing. We still haven't tried the real authentic lockdowns. Those are what works. Uh, number two, yesterday on MSNBC, a member of their talking head panel went into great detail explaining why, should there, why there should be uh, panels after the Trump administration to prosecute the Trump administration uh, because, you know, it's their fault that all these people died from COVID. Here's, uh, here's what this lunatic had to say. Uh, and also, when you compare Trump and Bush, Bush killed hundreds of thousands of people abroad, you know, brown and black people in faraway countries that we don't care about. Donald Trump killed hundreds of thousands of people or presided over the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people, preventable deaths, here at home in the United States of America. And that, for me, you know, you talk about morally abominable. It's sociopathic. Uh, you mentioned earlier in the show the four words that will be the epitaph is we want more infections, we want more infected. Uh, you know, what about who cares in those emails? That jumped out at me. This guy, Paul Alexander, writes, if we have more cases, more people infected, more, more positive tests, who cares? And you take who cares, you add it to Donald Trump's it is what it is. You add it to Jared Kushner's that's their problem when people in New York are dying. This is sociopathic. This is not just morally abominable. Yeah. And I think people should be held to account. I think they should be prosecuted. The people behind these preventable deaths should be prosecuted when they leave office on January 20th. Yeah, and they're, and they're, this is, they're out for blood. The left is out for blood. That's very clear. Uh, they want, they, it's not enough to win. They want to punish. They want to punish those who have opposed them for the last four years. And they're going to do it too, especially, especially if they take control of the entire government. Well, the reason why these races down in Georgia are so important. They can control the, the entire government. They're going to do it. Um, this, is, this is revenge they're looking for. Meanwhile, again, we've got a, we've got a vaccine. I mean, this is really, it's, we're not taking any time to appreciate it. In fact, you know, it's kind of on both sides because the left doesn't want to appreciate the fact that the vaccine came out so quickly because they have been proven wrong and they don't want to give Trump credit for anything at all. And they're very, let's be clear, they're very upset that this thing is coming out while Trump is in office. They would much prefer if it, if it was another couple months uh, and people are dying in the meantime. They don't talk about being sociopathic. They don't care about that. They just don't want Trump to get credit for it. So, of course, the left's not going to get him credit. But then on the right, there's a lot of uh, skepticism about the vaccine. And I'm not saying that, that uh, all of that skepticism is, is off base. But uh, at the same time, you know, there is. And so he's not getting a lot of credit there either. Meanwhile, this is, this is a, an enormous achievement that is really not appreciated by hardly anyone at all. Number three, um, also yesterday, John Berman on CNN hit on an important point, actually, that there's been a spike in deaths among young people over the past several months. And even though young people are not very susceptible to, um, to coronavirus, still they've been dying at a much higher rate than they have in the past. Only he, of course, reaches the wrong but predictably wrong conclusion. Listen. The authors of it is Dr. Rochelle Walensky, who will run the CDC starting in a few weeks, which found that young people are dying at higher rates over the last year than they were 
before. It found that July appears to have been the deadliest month among this group in modern American history. Over the past 20 years, an average of 11,000 young Americans uh, died each July. This number swelled to more than 16,000. We're talking about people ages 25 to 44, 5,000 more deaths in the month of July than the previous average. And the implication is, is that it's largely because of coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's because of the coronavirus that, that all these young, young people are dying. Now, although that's, that's, that's not what the data shows. That's not, that's not what's borne out. Um, is, I mean, is, look, at, look, at, look at the data. Is that what we see? That all these young people are dying of the coronavirus? He says, well, the implication you know, is it's probably because of that. Yeah, that's not actually what you see when you look at the numbers. You don't see young people dying in mass, dying in droves from the coronavirus. Not at all. Uh, yet, young people are dying at a higher rate. Why is that? Well, it seems pretty clear to everybody else. You look at the suicide spikes that have already been reported, drug abuse, isolation, uh, the, the, the deterioration of mental health. That's what's happening. These are young people, just like everybody else, isolated. And if you have someone who already is struggling with mental health problems, depression, uh, you know, struggling with addiction, and then you lock them in their home for seven months, this is what happens. It's not the coronavirus, it's the policies. Once again, as always. Number four, speaking of horrible policies, um, the Gothamist has a uh, has a, a story with a bunch of photos of people dining outdoors. And you can find these on, on social media as well. Dining outdoors in New York during the snowstorm that, that hit the city. You know, below freezing temperatures, people are sitting out in a snowstorm eating outside. Because you can see some of the pictures because, because they can't go inside. And then here's the latest. So already they're being forced to, to eat outside in a snowstorm below freezing temperatures. Um, now we have this from the New York Post. It says Big Apple eatery owners were thrown into a panic Thursday night when the Cuomo administration dropped new rules that barred patrons in outdoor spaces from using their indoor bathrooms. Now, up until now, at least if you had to eat outside, you could still walk inside to use the bathroom. But not, not anymore. The initial guidance released publicly by um, a council to Mayor Bill de Blasio stated that customers are not allowed to enter the inside of one of these restaurants for any reason while the guidance is in effect. To the dismay of some eatery owners, the guidance indicated that even the bathrooms would be off limits. Uh, one of the questions on the document says, if my SLA licensed establishment is offering outdoor dining, may I allow customers to use the bathroom inside? The reply states, no, customers may not enter the inside of the establishment for any reason. Okay. Yes, it, this, is, this is good for public health, isn't it? This is the best thing we could do for public health. Force people to eat outside in the snow, in below freezing temperatures, and then bar access to sanitation facilities. I, isn't part of the thing we're supposed to be washing our hands a lot? Now you can't go inside and wash your hands. What, what if you have to use the bathroom? Now you're going to have people running, what, in a back alley behind the restaurant? Just absolutely crazy. And there's no reason to do it. There is no health-based reason to do it. Are there a lot of people getting coronavirus as they walk to the bathroom? They walk across an, a rest, they walk across an empty restaurant to the bathroom. Do we have any data at all that indicates that anyone has gotten sick from coronavirus from doing that? 
Of course not. Just uh, completely, just pe- people in the future will look back on this and they, they won't believe it. There's so, so much that's happening right now that I think people in the future will not believe. They'll think that their history books are lying to them. Which their history books might lie to them and not tell them about some of these things. Number five, Joe Exotic of Tiger King fame is suing the Department of Justice for rejecting his application for pardon, uh, which is something you can do, apparently. If you ask for a pardon and don't get it, you can sue the Department of Justice. Um, and, of course, it's, uh, it's a good thing that his application is being rejected because the guy is a psycho and a scumbag and richly deserves to be locked in a cage, really, for the rest of his life. But I think, you know, t- talking about crazy things and, and uh, things that nobody will believe, that the brief obsession we had in this country with Tiger King and the way that this guy was turned into a sympathetic character somehow will go down as another example of a, uh, you know, of mass psychosis on the part of the American public brought on maybe by boredom and stress. I don't think it was an, a coincidence that this show was so popular at the beginning of the lockdowns when everybody was stressed out, locked in their homes, not knowing what to do. But, um, and I'm not saying the show wasn't, wasn't uh, fascinating, you know, like a, in a kind of rubbernecking, uh, 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 an automobile crash sort of way. It was. But very obvious to me all along that this guy is, everybody in the show, it's every single one, total scumbag. All of them should probably be in prison. And uh, Joe Exotic will, will stay there. All right. We're going to get to our daily cancellation in just a second. But here's a, a bonus. Not really a headline per se, but it deserves our attention, I think. And I just wanted to show you this. This is a photo that, in fact, I captured doing a little bit of journalism myself on the street as I do sometimes. I captured this photo, photo yesterday while going into a Kroger, Kroger here in uh, Nashville. Um, I was getting some smoked sausage to make uh, what proved to be a rather delicious sausage and potato Cajun stir fry. Uh, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. The point is this. What you can see here in the photo, if you're watching the show, if you're not, I'll describe it. It's a shopping cart that someone has ditched in the parking lot, which I've made very clear. I mean, throughout my career, this is something I've talked about often, the problem of people ditching shopping carts in the parking lot. But here's what makes this so infuriating to me. Um, It's that this is worse than just the normal degenerates and 'er ne'er-do-wells who will leave their carts just in the middle of, you know, in the middle of the lot somewhere, wherever they they unloaded it, they'll just leave it there and then they'll drive away. That's bad enough. But in this case, someone has brought the cart back to the cart corral almost all the way, but left it five feet from the corral, partially in someone's parking spot, rather than simply pushing it, like literally another five feet is all you had to do in order to actually put it into its proper receptacle area. But they couldn't be bothered to do that. They could go, they could go most of the way, but they couldn't, they couldn't finish it off. And so they just left it there. This is a, this is a, a huge problem. As I've, as I've argued many times, um, we, I think you, we, we can tell, we, we know everything we need to know about you. All of your, 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 your character can be summarized by what you do with a shopping cart when nobody is watching, because it's such a simple little thing. There's, it's, it's a, a little thing, but requires so little effort that if you just leave it there, it shows you care not at all about your fellow man. 
And you know when you're leaving the shopping cart, gust of wind could easily pick that thing up, especially with the weather we've been having. Gust of wind could easily come along, pick that, pick it up, and send it into someone's uh, door. You know, it's not going to be serious damage. But you know, you're leaving it here. It could damage someone else's car. In order to avoid that, all you have to do is take, just take 20 seconds to put it away. You cannot be bothered to take 20 seconds to spare someone else damage to their property. It is outrageous, morally abominable, and unconstitutional, I say. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. You know, one thing I think we can admit as, as men is that we, we don't like going to the doctors. Um, and we can be too embarrassed to go. We just not feel like going. You know, it's, it feels like too much of a hassle. And that's why one of our new sponsors on the show I'm excited about, 4 And they're all about men's wellness. If you need help with ED, if you need help with hair loss, if you have a, a cold, I mean, anything. If you're interested in mental health or COVID-19 home kits, whatever it is that you're looking for, Hims is here for you. Through Hims, you can get the prescription medication that treats ED. This is real science, real solutions to ED. Hims makes it easy. Uh, Hims connects you with a licensed medical professional online who you can uh, prescribe, who can prescribe you FDA-approved prescription medication to treat ED. You get the same active ingredients as that expensive little pill, but without the expensive price tag on top of it. And look, there's no embarrassing conversations, no expensive appointments. You just answer a few questions online, and your medical, you know, they, they talk about your medical history, and then a provider will uh, confidentially review everything. If approved, your medication is shipped directly to your door in discreet packaging and shipping is free. So there's no more searching online for answers to questions about ED or sexual wellness. Just go to your Hims account and ask a medical professional that you can trust. Try Hims today by starting out with a free online visit. Go to forhims.com slash Matt for your free visit. That's forhims.com slash Matt, F-O-R-H-I-M-S.com slash Matt. Prescription products are subject to medical provider approval and require an online consultation with a medical provider. We'll determine if a prescription is appropriate. See website for full details and safety information. Remember, that's 4 slash Matt. Now, on, uh, on Monday, so this is coming up just in a couple days, December 21st, the historical docuseries Apollo 11, What We Saw, will be available exclusively at dailywire.com. This was originally an audio podcast. Maybe you listened to it then. Even if you did listen to it, I would recommend watching the video version on Daily Wire, Apple TV, or Roku app, or at dailywire.com. And if you haven't seen it at all or listened to it at all, uh, then you're really in for a treat for your first time. Dramatically inspiring story, of course, Apollo 11, what we saw is a fantastic series. Uh, if you're looking to something, for something to watch over the holidays with your family, this is a, a great educational thing. I know as, for me as a, as a parent with four kids, we're always looking for you know, something we can watch that's that's educational that will keep the kids' attention. Right now, get it for 20% off with code WATCH when you become an insider or above member over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. And make sure to download our Apple TV or Roku app to get all of our content on your big screen. And also on Monday, I don't want to put too much on your plate, but also on Monday, be sure to watch backstage at 7 p.m. Central Time to see all the Daily Wire hosts wrapping up the year. Uh, I'll be there as well. You know, it's, you're not really tuning in for that, but I will, I will be there. And uh, that should be a good time. So make sure to tune in for that as well. Again, dailywire.com slash subscribe for Apollo 11, what we saw. Now, let's get to our daily cancellation. So today for our cancellation, I'm going to briefly revisit the conversation we had yesterday to start the show about prostitution and pornography, especially the kind you you find on sites like OnlyFans. Um, Many prominent voices on the left, including AOC and the ACLU and many others, have recently been promoting prostitution, in particular cyber prostitution, as real work. Sex work is real work, they say. 
Now, I made the case that if a woman getting paid to take off her clothes on camera is doing real work, which I don't think she is, but if she is, it's certainly a very different kind of work from the type performed by members of legitimate and noble professions. A prostitute is selling her dignity for profit. She is debasing herself for the enjoyment of strangers. It is a shameful, dirty, bad way to make a living, and it should not be normalized or mainstreamed or promoted. Now, the first thing to realize about my point on this subject is that it is completely obvious and nearly everyone in the world would have agreed with it up until 12 seconds ago. I have, and this happens to me a lot, I have received a hell of a lot of backlash for saying something that 10 billion people throughout history have already said and that nearly everyone would have taken for granted as a simple and incontrovertible fact. It has never been easier to be controversial, to be a provocateur. All you have to do is say stuff like, it's not good to be a prostitute or men don't menstruate. And suddenly you become edgy. You're edgy now for saying that when in reality, you're saying the least edgy things a person could possibly say. But the left has been so successful in their war on reality and on common sense and on basic human decency and morality that even people who are not on the left now suddenly are treating these common sense propositions as controversial, if not outright unspeakable. Um, with all that said, I have one other point I wanted to make in relation to this topic, and I, I hesitate to make it only because I fear that I might be giving my critics too much credit with this argument that I will present. Um, I'm not sure if I am. I hope I'm not giving them too much credit, but, but the point is this. If you're a parent and you're also among the people who have gotten angry at me for saying that prostitution and pornography are shameful and debasing industries, and that neither women nor men should be involved in it. Uh, and that it's bad for, 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 it's, it's bad for everybody involved. If you disagree, and again, if you're a parent yourself, then why don't you want your own daughter to be a prostitute or a porn star? Now, like I said, I may be giving you too much credit. It's possible that you're even more depraved than I anticipate. But my guess is that for all of your talk about the validity and nobility and empowerment of prostitution, you have not ever and would not ever encourage your daughter to grow up and become one. You have not and would not look at a little seven-year-old girl in your home who you love and wish to protect and think to yourself, I really hope she sets up an OnlyFans account when she's old enough. I'm guessing and certainly hoping that you have never, ever, ever had that thought and never would have it. But why? I mean, you say it's empowering and liberating for women to do this. You say it's noble. It's good. Why don't you want your daughter to do this empowering, liberating thing? Don't you want her to be liberated? You know, it's also empowering and liberating to be a mother, a doctor, a scientist, a business owner, an artist. And you probably would be quite happy for your daughter to become any one of those things, wouldn't you? In fact, you may even actively want them to become one of those things or something similar. And if you notice as your child grows older that she has a proclivity for science or medicine or art, you would start guiding her in a certain direction so that she can one day have a career in those fields. Yet as your child grows older and she spends time on social media, if she starts acting inappropriately there, you would never in a million years upon finding out about that say to your daughter, you know, you might have a great future as a prostitute. Why? Why wouldn't you say that? You're saying this is a good thing, yet you wouldn't want your child to do it. That's strange, isn't it? 
So again, I ask why? Well, I know why, of course. Um, You don't want your daughter in this life because it's a shameful, degrading life. And women who do it are prone to become drug addicts and to kill themselves. In fact, a great many prostitutes, as studies have repeatedly shown, have a history of being sexually abused, too. That's what's all, that, that is what propels people to get into this line of work, a history of abuse and neglect. You know that porn and prostitution are things that damaged people do. And if your child ends up doing it, it means that they are damaged. You don't want your child to be damaged. You don't want her to, be, to, to make a living as masturbation fodder for creeps on the internet or glorified sex toys for guys they meet in motel rooms. You don't want that for her, I hope. You don't want it because you love your child. I would suggest this. If there is something that you wouldn't ever want anyone you love to ever do, then you shouldn't want anyone to do it. Now, there are other things. A parent might be apprehensive about their son joining the military for fear of his safety, but they would still be proud that he joined, right? I mean, their heart would swell with pride when he, when he, when he went off to, to basic training. Would your heart swell with pride the first time your daughter goes to have sex with a customer in his car? Would your eyes well up with tears of happiness upon hearing that your daughter earned her first subscriber on OnlyFans? No, it wouldn't. Because you don't want that for her. You don't. Because in your heart, you know that I'm right about everything I'm saying. And you're wrong. And that's why you don't want it for her. But you do want it for other people's kids. Because you don't care about them. It's really what this comes down to. Yes, these, these girls are degrading themselves, but you personally don't care if they do. You might, be, you might even enjoy it when they do because you don't know them and aren't related to them and don't love them. That's your position if you're being honest about it. Your position is, yes, Matt, you're right. It's degrading, but I don't care. And for that reason, you're canceled. Though, I would invite anyone, if you are a parent, and you want to prove me wrong, and you want to come out publicly and say, no, I want my daughter to be a prostitute, you go ahead and do that. You go ahead and do that. Prove me wrong. But I don't think you will. Because, again, I'm right. 100%. And you're 100% wrong. And also cancel. And we'll leave it there for this week on the show. Have a great weekend, everybody. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including the Ben Shapiro Show, the Michael Knowles Show, and the Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And production assistant, McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. A nurse passes out after taking the coronavirus vaccine. A major scientific journal abandons biology. And a major financial firm foists woke politics on all of corporate America. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. 